Hello and welcome to the Planning People podcast. My name is Will Robbins, the editor of New Model Advisor magazine. Today we are talking about NHS pensions, specifically the effect that complex annual allowance taper rules have had on high-earning doctors and other medical practitioners. As my guests will explain in more detail shortly, a scandal has erupted over the last year as doctors found themselves landed with hefty tax bills because they had breached the limit on what they can contribute to their pension each year tax-free. The problem is, because of the way the NHS pensions operate, they have no control over how much they contribute, or seemingly don't seem to, unless they simply work fewer hours. And that is exactly what some have been doing, according to reports. This threatens to result in uh, longer waiting times, delayed appointments, and potentially uh, bad, serious outcomes for patients. But what can people like doctors who find themselves in a similar position do to fix it? And is the situation really as bad as some newspapers are making out? As, a, as ever, to get to the bottom of the issue, we've brought in uh, expert financial advisors. London-based financial planning firm Barnaby Cecil has a specific service level aimed at doctors. I'm delighted to say I'm now joined by its managing director, Thomas Skinner, and paraplanner Emma Walker. Uh, hello to you both. Hi. Hello. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, uh, and either of you can jump in, uh, please explain uh, what part of the annual, annual allowance is causing problems and how it works. So, the way the annual allowance works with defined benefit schemes such as uh, the NHS pension is it's the growth from one year to the next. So, you take their service um, that they've accrued over the years, um, multiply that by their pensionable pay, and obviously when that, when that pensionable pay increases from one year to the next, then they can see massive increases in their, in their annual allowance, which is a lot more complicated than a normal defined contribution scheme that most people are in, where it's just, you know, if you put £10,000 in in one year, you know, your pension input amount is £10,000. And uh, so, okay, first question, what, this seems to have blown up in the last year from the, from the journalist's point of view. It, you know, it wasn't something you were writing about in previous years. But the annual allowance, or the, certainly the taper rules, aren't that new, are they? So what, what's happened there? So the tapering came around in 2016-17. However, legislation states that you can carry forward unused annual allowance from three years previous. So for 16, 17, 17, 18, and 18, 19, they, I mean, in previous years, they usually had carry forward to offset those breaches. Whereas yeah. now in the 18, 19 year, it's some people are finding that they have no carry forward left. And suddenly yeah. if they've had that increase, they've got this breach, they may have a 10,000 pound uh, annual allowance, but yeah. And would doctors have necessarily been aware that the carry forward was being used, or maybe there was, was there like an automatic mechanism that was dealing with no, that? No, they they get statements, so they usually get these statements if NHS pensions think they have a breach, but that's yeah. only usually if they've gone above the forty thousand. Right. So there may be some doctors who have a tapered annual allowance of ten thousand, aren't aware of that, never received a benefit statement from NHS pensions and now looking back actually might have historical 
taxes that they that they need need to pay. Right. Okay. So, what has the effect on doctors been then? Well, a secondary part to the problem is that in March 2015, doctors uh, born after 1965 were immediately moved into a new pension scheme. Okay. And so. Um, the pension scheme was split in two, section 1995 and section 2015, and when they have growth in their pensionable pay, what they also have now is growth in two schemes, and it's specifically that that's caught a lot of people out. So oh. they might have been absolutely fine, perhaps they had uh, a growth calculation of 30,000, which would have been otherwise okay, hmm. but now they've got growth across two schemes, and it's 30,000 times two, so 60,000 has put them 20,000 over the annual allowance, right. which can mean an £8,000 tax charge um, and that will remain a problem for a doctor of that age throughout their career each time they get a uh, an increase in their pay mm. they don't just and conversely they get benefit in both schemes so on one hand it's good because it means that their pension has increased twice yeah. um, but it was it was retaining of uh, salary linking to the section 95 scheme that for many has caused caused the problem right now uh, when you know, it's, that makes sense as far as it goes, uh, but tell me this: the doctors seem to have no ability to just to, to tell the pension scheme that they don't want to quote unquote contribute each year. So I think this is to do with the way that defined benefit schemes or public sector schemes work. But perhaps explain how that automatic process works and how difficult it is or, or is not to as an individual to change what's going on in your own benefit in your, your own scheme your own entitlement yeah well one of the one of the issues is that when they receive the uh, breach letter uh, the annual allowance pension saving statement as it's as it's known they're told of that in the october uh, for a period a tax period that's now closed so right. they're told of the problem uh, after a period of time where there's nothing further they can do about it. So to okay. to get ahead of that, you've then got to think a tax year ahead in time yeah. and start to then work out what uh, your likely pensionable pay increase is going to be and then calculate whether that will give you a tax charge in that year. And then if it does, take um, mitigating measures by coming out of the scheme or removing yourself. But that takes quite a lot of foresight sort of... Um, you know, planning acumen to be able to calculate uh, that far in time. Most people are reacting to a tax charge, yeah. after which there's nothing further they can do about it. So, okay, so, and what would be the, if you were to take action, because you know, what I'm talking about here is obviously the reports that doctors have been cutting their hours yeah. to, to cope with that. So is that the only action available to them? Surely not. They can incorporate earnings, so if they are able to retain uh, their work from a private practice within a limited company, they can distribute either a lower percentage to themselves because they're a lower shareholder of that company, mm. maybe a spouse might take 90% of the, of the earnings from that company, okay. um, or retain the money within the business, and in some cases they may qualify for entrepreneur's relief if the, if the money is rolled up in the, in the company. There are, um, certain factors they need to consider with that. But what uh, retaining the, the cash within the company will do will reduce their earned income in any given year. So even somebody on a small, with a small private practice of say 20, 30, 40,000, just simply 
retaining that money, that cash within the business can kind of com can completely ameliorate the charge in future years. That that can solve right. it. Right. So they can overnight. use that private practice. How does appreciate that? Right. And, yeah. and to, and so to that's relevant for when you're calculating. So the way that they calculate it, whether somebody should have an annual allowance uh, tapering from forty thousand to ten thousand, mm. they take into account all earnings. So. Right. By incorporating it yeah. and essentially removing it from your income, it's then just the NHS work that's uh, taken into account. So it may be that some people have a tapered annual allowance of 10,000, whereas if they incorporated, they'd actually get the full 40,000. And this is just worth, just worth uh, ex unpacking a bit, explaining a bit. Private, private practice. I, you know, just <laughs> I go to my doctor, I sign up to my local surgery. Uh, in in South Norwood, and I go up the road and see the doctors there, uh, and I just think that's my that's my GP, that's my GP surgery. Is that run? Just explain. Is that are those typically run as as a as a business in their own right? Uh, forgive my ignorance of yeah, the way, so, so the way these things work. The, the, there are um, f looking at GPs and consultants yeah. as members of the pension scheme. There sure. are there are two groups of individuals we are discussing. The the, the GP. Uh, which is a self-employed individual and has for 75 years contracted their services back to the NHS. Right. So they have a different structure to how their business is operate, how they receive the money, how they declare their taxes. And just to make things even more complex, <laughs> they also have a totally different pension scheme to consultants. Oh, right, right. Calculated in a completely different manner. Right. Um, so they in some ways have even less flexibility because their earned income, um, doctors are not allowed to incorporate as a limited company right. and so their own their, in, their income uh, forms part of a partnership and therefore it's harder for them to switch income on and off a consultant um, may work uh, a weekly programmed activity contract and um, within that week they may be sufficient time to work overtime maybe on a Saturday or maybe on a half day on a Friday to do um, a private list um, and it is that private work that uh, they can then place through the, the the company. Right. One of the issues that the NHS is having is that there's a thing, there's a, a taxation ruling called IR35, which means that effectively you can't walk into the same building as an employee one day and then walk into that same building the following day and declare yourself as a self-employed private contractor. Okay. Um, and so, uh, historic previously they they would hospitals would reduce um, waiting lists with something called a waiting list initiative and, mm. and would use these to con control the kind of supply and demand of the services that they offered. But they also are part of their earned um, earned income. And so it's the waiting list initi initiatives, it's the extra program activity above 10, which is a, a, a full-time contract. So many of them are doing extra work on top of that. Right. And it's the extra work that they're then dropping as oh. well in the hope that that then leaves their earned income uh, on or around 110,000. And the reason why 110,000 is relevant is because when you're calculating pension growth, if your earned income is um, below 110,000, you don't take into account the, um, the pension growth for tapering. And so if you can maintain your earned income below 110,000, you can in many ways solve your pension problem. Right. And sorry, and I have a stupid question, which I think I've already asked like three times. <laughs> Why not just stop contributing to your pension? Just doesn't work like that. You can. Uh, you can defer membership. And if you come out of the scheme, then you lose valuable things such as death in service, 
benefit. But ultimately, you've then got an individual mm. who each day they spend out the scheme is poorer in retirement for doing mm. so. And so it is something that should be done reluctantly. Yeah. And of course, they can always... Um, they can always pay the tax charge through one of two routes, either through the scheme itself um, or via simply paying from their own net savings um, or a combination of the both. Yeah. Of both. But um, there is a danger, of course, that there's now a, a generation of doctors who have lost confidence in the scheme and have, and have deferred. And we've had people call us in their mid-30s and say, I've now left the scheme because I don't mm. fully understand the issues. I don't want to get a tax bill. My colleague received a £22,000 tax bill. I don't mm. understand why. Mm. Um, and they're not that different to me in terms of how they're employed. And how, so w without looking any further, I've just decided to come out of the scheme. And that, that's, wow. the, that's the travesty and the danger of, the, of the, you know, somebody, you know, a high, a high public sector worker, well-paid, you know, on perhaps £100,000 throughout their working life then has to adjust their lifestyle to yeah. uh, reduce their pension maybe down to 25000 because they spent 10 years outside of the scheme. So a uh, terrible result for uh, for pen pensions policy and, and does nothing, as you say, to uh, to, to, to uh, secure secure people's retirements. Um, so, yeah, what, so what has the NHS done? If anything about this, what's the reaction from the NHS or, or government, I suppose, to to this problem? Well, there's there's several players involved. You've got the Department of Health, you've got the Treasury, you've got the government. Um, obviously, there is distraction amongst Parliament <laughs> at the moment. Right. So it's it's the can is getting certainly getting kicked down the road mm. by almost everybody. We also have a group of individuals who are well paid and um, there is some pressure from um, or certainly uh, a less than sympathetic um, public let's say when you when a doctor is trying to explain that they've got tax charges because they earn above one hundred and ten thousand pounds there's not an enormous amount of sympathy mm. from them um, and there's a lot else in terms of bandwidth and in terms of what the wider public are uh, looking at so one of the ways that the hospitals are addressing it immediately is to is to spend money on locum doctors, locum agencies to cover uh, the the demand. But obviously, they're much more expensive. Um, there is there is a consultation at the moment and uh, a period of time where anybody involved, um, all parties, can submit uh, their thoughts. So they are listening, um, but obviously that doesn't help hospitals in the here and now. We know with with, mm. with waiting lists extending. Um, but we hope to ex we we expect guidance in April 2020 from the scheme. But there's a lot going on in NHS pensions as well because the 2015 scheme, which had a retirement, or the, the 1995 scheme, which had a retirement age of 60, is a cohort of doctors that have had their retirement age extended to 67 and 68, and that's been challenged in the courts successfully. Oh, wow! And so the government have got to address that massive issue now the, the and that was changed by the by the scheme all public sector schemes all public, yeah. that was part of the oh, part of the was that part of the 2010-11 reforms yeah so so there was a would have been a long period of consultation yeah. where they looked at how to address the fact that you have individuals living for uh, for longer um yeah. the schemes a period of a time where interest rates guilt yields have all been lower so these schemes are are extremely expensive mm. to run um, yeah. hence why so many in the private sector have now closed 
um, completely. Um, and so the way of addressing that was to was to take a group of doctors and say to them, you can retain your benefits in the old scheme with a retirement date of 60, but the second part of your pension, the retirement date for that scheme is 67 or 68, depending, linked to the state pension age. Yeah, right. And in doing so, the government have lost the case upon appeal because it's been um, it's been decided, and they were warned at the time that it's, that it uh, breaches age discrimination law. Right. So we wait for further legislation on that as well. Um, the Treasury have said that it's going to cost billions to put that same group of individuals back to retirement date of yeah. 60. Most consultants, most doctors, most NHS scheme members would probably accept that there needs to be some form of compromise there as well, unions included, but it remains to be seen. Wow. But from a planning perspective, when you've got individuals who are trying to make decisions now as to how to pay tax charges, yeah. And you don't know. There's a lot of <laughs> confusion. Um, um, I mean, there the have been some proposed new rules. I've been mean, just looking at uh, articles we've written about this, and there was one uh, which I think came from a government department, which would uh, come into effect the next financial year, which would, uh, just the way we wrote it, would allow senior clinicians to set their exact level of pension accrual at the start of each year. Employers would then have the option uh, to recycle any unused contributions back into the clinician's salary. That was the way uh, we wrote it at the time. Um, does that, I mean, is that, is that familiar to you, number one? Is that, uh, is that going to happen? I mean, I don't know if it's going to happen, but it's, it, you know, it would work. And, yeah. you know, if, if docs were proactive about, you know, going to a professional that could calculate what they should pay in for that year and then you know state that to the scheme then it allows them to get the accrual but without paying the tax charge that they may not you know have yeah. money to pay um but whether that goes ahead i think is it 50 percent of trusts are offering a refund of contributions so okay. if people do defer yeah they are getting money back but again it's a trust on trust basis not all yeah. places are doing it so it's kind of depends who you speak to really so because my, my sort of next you know a couple of my next questions were going to be about the situation today and i know you've, you've somewhat covered some of this already but you know i saw a tweet this morning from the ft's uh, joe cumbo claiming that more than two-thirds uh of consultant surgeons have reduced their um reduced their hours due to pension tax rules i mean it seems very much like this is getting worse rather than better. I mean, interesting to, to say sort of, as a snapshot today, maybe you could maybe sort of bring it onto the planning side. Tell me about your clients. Who's coming to, you know, what are they doing? Who's coming to see you? Uh, and uh, what you're trying to put in place for them? Um, so, yeah, senior consultants, usually over the age of 50, where they're seeing increases in their pension will pay from their consultant pay threshold. Um, so they're kind of like banding for consultants. Um, and yeah, so th those that are high earners that are worried about exceeding the lifetime allowance um, are getting letters to do the annual allowance oh, and also are at the age when they're having to consider what they want to do in the future. So, you know, maybe they want to taper their hours down because they don't want to be working full time and how that's going to affect their pension. Mm. Um, whether 
you know, if, if they want to take a sabbatical, how that would affect their pension, and, you right. know, and whether they could, um, you know, save in the meantime to make up that loss. So just mm. lots of different scenarios. It's, it's, yeah, the 50 to 60 kind of age range where they're really starting to think about their pension. Because I think before that, and also before all of this blew up in the news, it wasn't really something they thought about. It happened in the background, yeah. but it was never at the forefront of their mind. And I think now, you know, it's, it's having to be. So, so they're thinking about, it's causing them to think about pensions yeah. more generally, which mm. is interesting. So, I mean, what, I mean, yeah, you talk about what you're advising clients to do, but it's interesting, you know, you have, as I mentioned before, you've had this uh, medical uh, services niche. You go on your website uh, and um, go on your website and, you, you know, you can click down. You have a few there, sort of, t I think tech was one of the media maybe. Am I wrong? Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and, and uh, medical is right there at yeah. the top. So did that exist before all this or have you sort of developed it as a result of seeing all these problems come through? I think with the, I mean, any, any final salary pension scheme is quite a complicated and, and abstract concept in itself in terms of people paying um, people, the workers today through their contributions, paying for individuals in retirement. And doctors are clearly all very, very bright, but it was the one aspect of their, of, um, of their finances that they paid little attention to because they came out of medical school and everybody told them the pension's brilliant, you should definitely be a member of the pension scheme. Mm. And it was and it still is. Um, but over a very short period of time, everyone's had to become almost a mini-actuary because of the pension legislation, the yeah. changes to the pension legislation, also the changes to the tax legislation. And if you're sort of 48 to 55 it is you are beginning to think about that next stage in your life but all mm. of a sudden what would be a fairly gradual process that we were planning on thinking of the individual might say i'm thinking of dropping a day a week from 60 onwards and what would the implications of that be mm. so that in itself is a is a is a process but almost overnight they've completely lost touch with how their scheme works and how their retirement is going to look right um and um uh, and understandably there's a tremendous amount of anxiety uh, amongst doctors and and anybody in a in a final salary scheme because of those changes in what is in, in what is a, a really important aspect of um of someone's life retirement is supposed to be a period of time where you worry less and you <laughs> relax a bit more and and you kind of you enjoy the fruits of your of your labour, as it were, and I, and it's the it's the one thing throughout their working life. You know, all three of us are probably in defined contribution arrangements and have had uh, or have a working knowledge, whatever your in terms of how your how your pension yeah, works. Well, but, well, it, yeah. but it but it's what something exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll talk to your friends about what funds you invest in and various strategies, and that's just completely alien to yeah. most of them, most of doctors because it's, um, it was so far removed from how their pension planning worked. Um, yeah. And so, and from our perspective, what people are looking for is, is binary solutions. Should I scheme pay? Uh, should I retire early? Should I drop PAs? How many PAs should I, should I drop uh, the, the program activity, which is the number of essentially hours they, they work during the week? Right. And you can't give binary answers because even if you had two people with exactly the same set of circumstances when mm. you present the information to them how they feel and react to those in implications because of things like um you know longevity within their family and all those 
sorts of things and their view as to whether they would prefer to have a less pension but more cash today and, right. and so there's many many factors to consider yeah that you can't just say everybody should do this yeah um and again that's not something that they're necessarily used to because certain things in in, in their profession lend themselves to very clear uh, and defined guidelines yeah um yeah and so and they don't necessarily like hearing it depends um, <laughs> to most of their I, I have to say I don't like hearing that from my doctor either <laughs> when I get, you know, get the results about when it depends, well, it depends. how long do you want to live? Yeah. <laughs> yeah a range of sizes yeah absolutely they, they deal in, uh, in in it's a science it's a deal with absolutes and uh, I mean but, but I mean that's very interesting you know there's an emotional side to it as well I imagine because doctors are in it because they want to be doctors it's a vocation totally, you know yeah. and you want to, to, to be seeing patients yep. that's been one of the interesting things that the way that the news has been spun is is of consultants uh giving up you know giving up hours for, for example and not seeing patients and of course the logic is well they, they do fewer hours so they're going to be they, they're not treating people that means people will be sicker that's people you know more people are going to die you know and it's sort of you know obviously there's potentially some some bad things but it, it's sort of um you know I don't, it's not because uh you, you know the, you've got to understand it from the other point of view this is something that presumably they're very reluctant to do in a lot of cases maybe it depends on their age though yeah, and what they had planned already I yeah in, entirely i think um you know they're not fools and and if and if you feel that you know you're just going to work to pay an exorbitant level of tax. Yeah, I think there's I think there's there's two issues. There's one that I'm I'm you know I'm I'm not prepared to pay a tax rate higher than say sixty or seventy percent on an element of my mm. work. And then there's a group of individuals that are just following the herd to a degree and safety in numbers. Yeah, everyone's dropped twenty percent of their work, and they all seem fine. They seem safe. So I'm going to copy them and yeah. do the same and hope that I'm. I'm safe and fine too. Right. Um, and then another another component to that is that the contract is such that there is an element, uh, there's an amount of work that a doctor is supposed to do, and they've just become used to throughout their career mm. doing a, a great deal more. And now they're, they're working a weekend of of nights, and they're having maybe an extra day to recover, or they're having a Thursday mm. afternoon off, which 20 years ago was what all doctors. Yeah. Did, from from what I am told, but the, the the changes in the last decade or so have meant that they um, it is becoming commonplace. And I think in many professions, you know, there's lots of yeah. research to say that we that particularly in Britain we do work extremely long hours. And actually, when you get used to having a Thursday morning every now and then to go out on the on the bike or take your children to the park or whatever it may be, yeah. that many of them are now adjusting their lifestyle and and are cutting their cloth accordingly. And the government may find that it's going to be very, very hard to incentivize these individuals to come back to working 110% of what they should have been doing, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um, How interesting. Um, and uh, when just as a business, just, you know, it's interesting, you know, I think before we started recording, we are talking about this, but you've uh, obviously had, you were advising doctors and medical practitioners beforehand for this but presumably surely this has really uh put rocket boosters onto that i mean that's been something you've had to cope with as a business presumably because i mean you know this must be a huge amount of work this is complicated work <laughs> for you to do as well right yes um so we held a seminar in september 
um, sent it out to um, a group of doctors and the feedback from that was like we've never seen it and it, it's because of the news that's out there so yeah we're getting f um, feeds from Twitter um, through our website from yeah. the seminar that we held so oh, right. yeah we are we're quite busy <laughs> people finding you on Twitter as well so yes. it's been effective yeah that's interesting. You know, we talk to advisors often at our events about, you know, digital marketing and, and the website and social media. And I think everyone's sort of taking notes dutifully and thinking, well, how does it really apply? But here's an interesting example, actually, when it comes to a specific issue and a specific mm, yeah. group of clients. Yeah. Obviously, that's galvanised them, something that they, you as a planner, well, you could have predicted, but, you know, you know a lot of people didn't predict. And actually being, being in those places and being able to get your message out um, has has really worked. I mean, are you able to keep up with the with the demand? I suppose that's the, the only other question. Yeah, I mean, we've <laughs> been, how long have we been open for now? Well, I've been advising doctors since 2003, but we've been uh, trading as Barnaby Cecil. We worked previously for a large firm uh, right. since uh, August of this year. But in many ways, it's been a, it's, it's been a pretty seamless transition because yeah, we okay. put the phone down one day and picked up another phone the next day and, and, it, and it, we worked together and but establishing the, a new firm you know it's, it's no small thing it's not no um it uh you, you you take on various aspects that you maybe took for granted before i miss the it department and, and having <laughs> someone just i'm going to come back in half an hour and the computer will be working then but now um it doesn't work unless i fix it and yeah so 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 we we try and be another resource so if someone's going to sit, sit on hold for 45 minutes trying to get through to the nhs calls pension call center which is obviously yeah. creaking uh, under the strain yeah. it might only take us 10 seconds to answer the question so we try and be another right. pair of hands because i used to take the view that well it's taken me 15 years to learn this why should i uh, why should i share it and then i went to a couple mm. of um sort of planning conferences and realize that that wasn't necessarily a, the mindset because you're not protecting your commercial value by sharing an answer that could be found on Google, but the person wouldn't necessarily know where to find it on Google. Yeah. We, we, you know, I wouldn't want to share, uh, I say our Emma's spreadsheet, um, <laughs> because there's obviously a commercial and we've spent many, many years developing that, but everything else, you know, is available and we should share it and we should share it with other planners as well. Um, and that, so, so that was the that was the, the key change in terms of um, the, the service that we offered. I like most financial planners can articulate concepts quite well yeah. to like broad abstract concepts yeah. over big long periods of time. Emma's background is in mathematics, and that's when and we met in two thousand and fifteen, mm. and I could see her skills in Excel lent themselves um, useful to yeah. to both um, final salary scheme planning, but yeah starting to then look at various drawdown strategies in retirement for uh, tech clients and um, right. uh, solicitors who um, are uh, are dealing in, in much the same way with many many similar concepts and like most people just yeah. don't want to run out of money yeah. in retirement but Twitter's been brilliant as a really a, a thinking space because obviously you're You've, you you can only consider in, in deterministic modeling as we as, as it's known whereby you essentially are defining the variables yeah in, in a infinite range of possible outcomes 
So Twitter's great for offering up, well, I'm gonna approach this and I'm gonna create that with a client and can anyone think of any flaws in my strategy? Oh, I see, so you're putting yourself yeah, there. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. It becomes, like, the, it becomes a suitability letter online, effectively, yeah. <laughs> and um, people then say, well, what about this? Or mm. what about that expect? And there's, there's, yeah, there's always an angle that you hadn't thought of and people are very, very generous with their that's really good to hear though that's really good to hear i think that's one of the that is one of the things i've always i believed in the advice profession is being good at and being capable of and it's good to see that happening on twitter yeah. there's a lot of arguments on twitter as well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice to see but there's some positive things coming out of that and so yeah so okay so that's great so you know doctors will be able to someone will be able to get in touch with you yes it's finding those touch points to be able to say right someone who's going to pick up the trying to you know pick up the phone for an hour's wait on the online you know to, to the nhs could we, how do we get in front of them to just let them know that they could call yeah. us or chat to us or send us an email, presumably, or t contact on Twitter or tell their colleague somehow, you know, refer, the, refer on and so on? Absolutely. And, and the, the fortunate position we're in is that, you know, we, we, we charge what we believe is a modest fee for our, for our planning report. And we put a lot of effort into that and it's, and it's written from the ground up. It's completely bespoke. It's not templated in, in any way. But we're fortunate in that we can't offer that to everyone and not everyone needs it. Yeah. So we'll do a lot of um, uh, uh, kind of screening and, okay. and explain to somebody, well, you might, the report might be of value to, but probably not for three years based on what you've okay. told me, based on the information you've given me, you know, but, but, you know, come back in a year's time, come back in three years' time and we'll, we'll have a look. That's interesting. So how um, long would you, just out of interest, just, you know, not because there's a black and white answer, but how long would you spend on with someone to try and get, find out whether you can help them or not, or, or to tell them actually you're not going to get some okay, uh, Within five minutes of, really? of talking to them, pay structure, position, um, various awards, what's happened in the last three years, what might happen in the next three years, yeah. quickly get a feel, have you got a personal pension, get a feel for, right, we, we, we can we can help, um, or actually, you're fine. Um, don't That's worry. Don't worry about okay. it. And um, sometimes, just to hear that, you know, is, is reassuring to know. Yeah. And also, you know, we, I, I think we're doing. You know, somebody somebody read a report recently and said, "I, f I feel so." It's one of the nicest things that you know, I said recently about the work that we do. They, they said, I, "I feel so much better about life because of your report." Because there were some bad things, mm. and there were maybe two bad things in the report, but there were eight really positive things. And it's you know, we are focusing yeah. on the tax charge, but you are also going to be able to do ninety percent of the things that you love to do when you retire, mm. anyway, even with all these issues. And therefore, you know, it, it is. It's understandable when people focus on, uh, you know, the perception that that the whole thing is about to crumble and fall yeah. away from that. Actually, there's a couple of issues, but by and large, it's a fantastic scheme, and I'm sure it's a fantastic job and yeah. a fantastic um, career. Interesting. And just finally, just one of the things I wanted to ask was, you know, just just. Uh, Go back to annual allowance. Actually, ironically, because although you know, seeing your clients is about much more than that. But just out of interest, other you know, this this ta this taper is still around. These annual allowance. You know, I think for years we've been talking about annual allowance, lifetime allowance. Will one of them change? Will one of them go? Usually, when there's a budget, there's an opportunity for one of these things to change. I'm not sure if we're going to. I mean, we're not. I'm not sure if we're going to get one this year or or, or whatever. But. Um, but, but it must be affecting, as I think you've alluded to this, it must be affecting other 
professions as well? I mean, just anyone who's a high earner will affect this, but any other schemes you've seen coming through? My colleague Ollie uh, Smith mentioned the army is possible, possibly one where they, they could have, you know, a sort of public sector or defined benefit type scheme. Yeah, um, I mean, once you understand the concept of one defined benefit scheme, it lends itself to pretty much all of them. Sure. Right. So you know yeah. what to look for. So all of the defined benefit schemes, yeah. you know, such as the armed forces, um, we've we've had some um, BP clients yeah. previously. So it's just knowing where to look, but the problems are still there. As You know, if you've yeah. got someone that is a high earner or is expecting a large increase in their pay from one year to the next, then the problem's going to occur for them. Yeah, yeah. It's fascinating when you work with firms such as BP, when obviously they value their key workers, their, their top people, and and effectively say to you, you know, we need to stay the right side of the law, and if and, and as long as it's vanilla and it's legal, tell us what we what we can do. How can we help this person? Um, but you obviously got the juggernaut of the armed services. You've got the juggernaut of the NHS. Yeah. And getting it to do anything is like you know trying to manoeuvre an oil tanker. But it's just really interesting how the private sector views its key individuals, the contribution they make to the company, and the value then of a, of a professional that's trying to assist their employee. Um, whereas, you know, just trying to get, you know, the the, the NHS firms to send you the correct pay figures is yeah. is a challenge. Um, so we see. So we have seen how private sector, public sector are addressing the same the same issues, and it's yeah. very different. And just uh, one sort of fact, factual question: You mentioned the report. I didn't ask you when you mentioned it. But is that a, is that a sort of flat fee that you do that for? Um, as it's because it's of tax planning related. It is. We charge one thousand two hundred and fifty pounds inclusive of VAT. A little bit more if they have something called mental health officer status because their calculation is slightly more complex. Right. Um, but not much more. Um, and then when the individual or if the individual wants to come back at any point in the future, we're, again, we're always on hand to answer any questions that they then have about their f- report at a later date. But if they ask us, they've maybe had a job offer, if they want us to run any new scenario through the figures, we just charge 50% of the original fee, um, which we feel is um, we're not sort of... Um, taking advantage of the of the situation. Yeah, I mean, for that, they get their initial meeting, their report, which involves um, the calculations and notes at the back, a second follow-up meeting, mm-hmm. um, a second meeting note, and then we're there by email. So a lot yeah. of hours are, are kind of put in yeah. for that. Okay, excellent. Well, uh, we're going to wrap it up there. There's a lot to uh, to take in. I think I'm going to have to listen to <laughs> back to that a few more times before I can answer questions on it. Uh, but let's see, thank you very much for coming in. Very uh, detailed and very uh, carefully and clearly explained uh, explained to me. So, uh, Thomas and Emma, thank you very thank much. You. Thanks, yeah, for, thanks having for having us. Thanks for having us.